You like to, to stargaze, I mean, just stare at the stars. When my son Dustin was like, I don't know, 10 or 11 for Christmas, we bought him a telescope that was pretty similar to this. We had a lot of fun with it. I, I'm shocked to see how many people have never used a telescope before. There's really a bunch. Um, if you have not used a telescope, you need to look into it. I am scared to death as I get older of being this pastor that has the cheesy old jokes. So protect me from that. Don't laugh. You know, don't do the courtesy thing. Oh, well. Oh, well. Let's just go on. Anyway, when we had our telescopes, and we, we love looking at the moon. The moon was the most exciting thing we could look at. Spent a lot of time doing that. We discovered if you look at the stars, here's what you see when you look at the stars through a telescope like this. You just see more stars. Because they're so far away, you just see more of them. If you're at a really good place, say like, you know, out in the country in a field somewhere, clear night, no moon, with the naked eye, you can see about 3,000 stars. But when you look through a telescope, even like this little one, it jumps up into the millions. It's amazing. The brightest star that is in the sky, you don't need a, a telescope to see it. I've actually got a picture of it. It's called the star Sirius. That's what it looks like. The star Sirius is also called the dog star. I have no idea why, but it's like twice as big as our sun and 20 times brighter. And what amazes me about that star is this. It is 8.6 light years away. It is 51 trillion miles away from planet Earth. Yet it shines so bright in the night sky, we can stand here and see it with our eyes. That is bright. Again, science says it's the brightest star you can see on earth. I don't know how science got it so wrong, but they're wrong. There is a star that you can see here on planet earth that's brighter than that. Matter of fact, it's not 51 trillion miles away, it's in this room. It's you. You're like, what? The Bible says that followers of Jesus are to shine like the stars. What does that mean? And how do we plug that into our lives? Like the serious star, we are to be serious about shining. Shining sums up the Christian life. Shining is how we glorify God, and shining is how we're different students from the world. It's all about shining. Hey, today we're halfway through this series called Overjoyed, going through the book of Philippians. This is message seven. We've got seven more to go. And today we're talking about the joy of a shining life, the joy of a shining life. The book of Philippians is all about Jesus and all about the joy that you can only find in Jesus. It's the overjoyed life. And remember, we're not talking happiness here. Joy is a settled peace and a gladness of heart that comes from knowing, trusting, and relying on Jesus. We all know this. We may not be happy in our circumstances. You may be going through one of the hardest things you ever went through in your life. You may not be happy now. But inwardly, if you have Jesus and you know him, you trust him, you're relying on him, You've got a reason for joy, and so do I. Well, what we're stepping into in the middle of chapter two, the Apostle Paul is not a guy that you would think would have a lot of joy in his life. He's not in a happy place. You talk about darkness, he's in a dark place. 
It'd be pretty hard to find a situation more darker than possibly facing execution, being a prisoner of Rome. But even in the dark sky of a prisoner of Rome, man, that guy, the Apostle Paul, is shining so bright. And what he's doing in this section of Philippians, he's encouraging the Christians at the Church of Philippi because they're living in, in a dark time, if you will. I mean, the Roman government is breathing down their neck. It is, Philippi is a tough place a tough place to be a Christian in. The world is dark there. And Paul is encouraging them in this section of scripture we're studying today. He's saying this, keep shining. Don't you dare quit. Regardless of how hard it gets, regardless of what you go through, keep shining, keep shining for for Jesus. And again, that's what the Bible teaches us clearly that you and I are supposed to do. This world is broken and this world is lost. We all know this. And every single person without Jesus, it crushes our heart. They are trapped, locked in the darkness of sin. But God so loves the world, he sent Jesus the light of the world because people need Jesus. And there's only two ways that people see Jesus in this dark world. It's either the light of the Bible or the light of the believer. The issue is most people don't read the Bible. But every person reads you and reads me. Tomorrow at school, students, they're going to read your life. They read our lives, your neighbors, in your home. Everyone is constantly reading our lives. We're supposed to shine. They're not looking at our lives through so much a telescope. Man, it's a microscope. They're looking at who we are, what we do, how we live, to see if this Jesus guy really makes a difference in, in our life or not. They're always watching you and watching me and wondering. And the good news is, is that when Jesus in us, shines out of us and we shine, it changes everything. That's the overjoyed life. So if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, I would ask you to open it to Philippians chapter 2. This is again our seventh message. We're going to look at verses 12 through 18. If you're new to us, new online, here's what this church is about. We're about the Bible. We're about the Word of God. We're just going to go through the Bible and see what it says and then apply it to our lives today because we believe this is God's Word to us. Today we're looking at chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. I'm not going to read those verses right now, but we're going to divide those verses into three chunks, and each one of those chunks is a lesson for living about the shining life, the joy of a shining life. So let's just jump in and go. We're going to start with Philippians 2, verses 12 through 13. Here's our first lesson for living. A shining life is a growing life. A shining life is a growing life. Before we look at verses 12 and 13, let me take a little detour here. I want us to establish how growing and shining go together. How once we are saved in Christ and we continue to grow in Christ, our life is to shine brighter and brighter. I think a great passage to teach us that is Proverbs 4.18. It says, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn shining brighter and brighter until midday. Basically, it's a picture. It's dark outside. The sun rises. The sun climbs higher and higher in the sky. It shines brighter and brighter until it's at the peak at high noon where it's shining its very brightest. That's the picture of the path of a follower of Christ. We were in darkness. We were lost. The light of dawn is the day we got saved in Jesus Christ. And now after we are saved, as we grow and grow, our life shines brighter and brighter and brighter until someday we're going to be at high noon. That's when we're in heaven with the Lord. Grow is one of our four G words. It's it's what it means to be a believer. My salvation was a one-time event. But my after salvation, my growth in Jesus is a continuing process that will take place all of my life. 
I'm to grow in him. It's a process of being more like Jesus today than yesterday, more like Jesus tomorrow than today. Now verses 12 through 13. The more we grow, the more we shine. A shining life is a growing life. Look at verse 12. He says, therefore, my beloved, Paul loves them. He, he wants to help them. He wants them to not quit. He wants them to keep shining in the midst of all the darkness that's around them. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, Paul is saying you're doing it. He says, man, you're obeying God. You're, you're living out the word of God in your life. He says you're shining. You're growing in your faith. He's encouraging them. He says, keep it up. He says, not as in my absence only, but how much more in my, not as in my absence only, but how much more in my absence, he says. In other words, he says, your growing faith is not fake. You're you're the same person wherever you are. If you're at church, at your home, if you're out on the streets, you're the same person. You're saved in Jesus and you're living like a saved person in Jesus. You're not being a hypocrite. And now we come to the end of verse 12 and verse 13 where we're going to focus most of our time. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The topic here is not getting saved. The topic is not staying saved. The topic here is growing after you're saved. Keep growing, keep shining in your life. Notice he says, work out your own salvation. Again, not talking about being saved. It doesn't say work for your own salvation. It says work out your own salvation. If he said work for your salvation, that would destroy everything he's written, everything the New Testament's about. Paul's the one who told the church at Ephesus in Ephesus 2, Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, that salvation is by grace through faith. It's not works, it's not what we do. So he's not teaching us you've got to work to get yourself saved. He's talking about growing after you're saved. But with that said, are you saved? It's the only starting line. It's the light of dawn. It's the only starting line of a shining life is to have Christ as our life because you have no light in you and I have no light in me. It's only Christ light in us when we know him as our savior. Has there been that time that you intentionally came to Jesus knowing in my sins and my failures, I am separated from the God who loves me. Jesus died and arose from the grave. He paid the price. And if you admit your sins and turn to him, he will be your Lord and Savior. Have you done that? Look, he says about growing in your faith, he says with fear and trembling. This doesn't mean we cringe at God because we're so afraid he's going to wipe us out. It means this. I have so much respect and reverence for God. I am so in awe of Jesus. I'm going to give an all-out effort to shine and grow in him. Man, he's worth it. I want to grow. I want to shine. Fear and trembling. I have such reverence and worship and honor and respect for Jesus. There's no shortcuts. I want to pray. I, I want to understand and be in the word. I want to serve him. I want to be a part of the body, church life. All those things that's involved in growing in my life, I want to do it. Then he says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. This is so cool. When it comes to growing, when it comes to shining, It's not my willpower, it's God's power. Look what he says, the Holy Spirit, both to will, the Holy Spirit in us believers will give us the desire to grow. We don't even have to try to work that up ourselves to try to convince ourselves to grow, to convince ourselves to wanna shine. The Holy Spirit will give us the desire to want to grow and shine. And it says to do, the Holy Spirit gives us the power to want to grow and shine. 
We see here a biblical principle for a growing, ever-growing, ever-shining life in Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 12, it says work out. And in verse 13, it says work in. Here's that shining, growing principle. Work out what God has worked in. What God works into you and has worked into me, we're to work that out of us. Not working for salvation, but work it out of us. Here's the best way, I think, to illustrate it. The Jawanang diamond mine in Botswana, South Africa, is the most valuable diamond mine in the world. It's supposed to be valued at like $1.25 billion, the diamonds that's in it. Let's say someone rings your doorbell, they're smiling great big, and they say, listen, here's the title to the diamond mine, it's yours, I'm giving it to you. You'd be pretty psyched and excited to say, well, I just got for free here this $1.25 billion diamond mine, it's got a lot of value, but here's what you know, the next thought that's going to hit you is this. Those diamonds are useless to me unless I work out of the mine what is already deep inside the mine. You've got to work out what's been worked in. That's the principle here. Again, not for being saved. We're not talking about that. We're talking about forget diamonds. The most valuable thing beyond words is the salvation of Jesus Christ is inside of every believer. And we're to work that out of us, what God works into us. We're to constantly work that out. Not being saved, but like that diamond mine, I am to, the salvation that Jesus has worked into me, I am to work that out in every aspect of my daily life. I want to work out that salvation. I want to live like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. I want to shine like Jesus. He keeps pouring things into me, not just to stay in me, but I want to work those things out. That's how we grow it's how we shine keep living out Paul saying your precious salvation in the world keep growing in order to reach your full potential in Christ keep growing a shining life is a growing life and again the Holy Spirit will give us the desire to do it and the Holy Spirit will give us the power to do it and that's why he wraps up at the bottom of verse 13 where he says it's for his good pleasure we want to grow in our spiritual lives and we want to shine not for lost people, not for ourselves. We want to do it for him. That fourth word, G word, to glorify him because it pleases God. So he says, listen, keep shining, keep growing in the Lord. Don't stop. A growing life is a shining life. Keep working out the wonderful things that Jesus is working in you. Then we go to verses 14 through 16, our next lesson for living. A shining life is a distinctive life. A shining life is a distinctive life. In other words, what we just saw in verses 12 through 13, if I am working out what God has worked in me, it's going to look like verses 14, 15, and 16. This is what it looks like. Verses 14, 15, and 16 is what a shining life looks like. And students, it's everything you talked about this weekend under the topic of being different. Verse 14, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. First of all, Paul says, listen, here's the place we are to shine. At the end of verse 15, the place is the world. He uses two words to describe this dark world we live in. He uses the word crooked and the word perverse. The word crooked is the word they used in Paul's day to describe how a snake crawls. 
It means that it's twisted, it's distorted. The word perverse is a word that was used in Paul's day. If there was a potter making a piece of pottery and he put it in the fire and if it got warped and distorted and all bent in the wrong directions, you would say that that piece of pottery was perverse. Basically, the word crooked and the word perverse have the same meaning, but the word perverse is a stronger word because the word perverse means not only, it's not someone that just messed up, it's someone who knows that it's crooked and wrong and twisted, but they choose to do it anyway. We all get that. Paul is saying the heart and mind and the actions of this unsaved world in Paul's day and in our day, folks, it's crooked and perverse and it's in the dark. That's the place where we're to shine. I could spend the next hour giving examples from the daily news. You could give examples. Pick any topic. Stand in one spot and do a 360, and anywhere you turn, we're going to see this. In our culture, what's wrong is right, and what's right is wrong. What's good is evil, and what's evil is good. You could go gender, sexuality, marriage, life, corruption, treatment of the poor, racism. You can go any direction you want to go. I don't need to give you a bunch of examples because we all know this world is crooked and perverse and in the dark. If you already know that, say amen. The Bible tells us that it is. This is is where we're to shine. It says in Ephesians 6.12, it reminds us this world system we're in is opposed to God and under the sway of Satan. It says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, not against people, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this coming age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Jesus went on to say in John 3.19, not only is this world in the dark, but people love the darkness. It says, and this is the condemnation that light, him, has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The darkest thing humanity has ever discovered is in outer space, but you can't see it through a telescope. It's mysterious dark holes. A dark hole, science don't really understand them. There's not a single wavelength of light inside of them. They're void of all light. And actually, if you've ever seen like a picture of one, it's an animation thing because they're so dark, they're invisible, you can't even see them through a telescope. But really, there is something even darker than that, and that's, it breaks our hearts, but it's the dead, dark soul of every single person that doesn't know Jesus. We know this world is crooked and perverse and dark. But God, when we got saved, he didn't yank us out of here and say, man, I'm going to take you out of that dark place and put you right in heaven. He didn't say, listen, now that you've been delivered from the dark world into my light, I want you to build these big 20-foot walls, and I want you just to have a big light gathering where all you do is light with other light. No, folks, he has placed you and I intentionally, willfully right smack in the middle of a crooked and perverse dark world. It's what we see here, Philippians 2.15, among whom, we're among this crooked, perverse, dark world, among whom you shine as lights in the world. That word lights there in verse 15, it means a luminary. It means a star. That's why we're saying we're to shine like stars. It's that which, that's which gives life. When my mom and dad, before we moved them up here, they lived on this little place in northern Arkansas on Table Rock Lake called Cricket Creek. It's a part of Table Rock that's not very 
touristy at all. And one of our favorite things to do there at Cricket Creek was to night fish. When the sun goes down, the jet skis, the water skiers get off the lake, and the lake is typically calm. It's like glass, and you're sitting out there in the whippoorwills and the frogs, and we would fish for bass at night. And it is dark, especially on a moonless night. You're down in the Ozark Mountains, and it's really, really dark outside. And there are times I would stop fishing, and I would just put my head back on the chair of my dad's boat, and I would just stare at the stars. Unbelievable. Out in that, that area, the sky was so dark. And man, those stars would just sparkle and shine so beautiful and bright. That's you and me in this world. I know we're not stars in heaven, but we're citizens of heaven. This is what Paul is saying. The way the stars of heaven shine and sparkle in the dark sky, the saved of heaven are to shine and sparkle in this dark world. That's us. The the night sky of planet earth is so dark, it is so lost and so broken. Students, you're different. One thing about stars in the night sky, man, they don't blend in. I mean, they pop. Here's this dark sky, but boom, here's these bright, sparkling stars. We're different. And Jesus is teaching us here that he has intentionally placed us in a crooked and perverse, lost, dark, broken world. And we have Jesus, the light of the world inside of us. And when his life and his light and his love splashes out of us onto other people, we shine like the stars in the dark sky. Folks, this is our mission. Draw your attention back to verse 15. This is God's redemption plan shining again. This is what the Christian life is all about. This is how the gospel advances. This is how God is glorified. This is God's redemption plan for you and for me for this dark world is for us to shine. Look back at verse 15. Key words. He says, we're in the midst. Midst. You know what that means? Smack in the middle. We're smack in the middle of a crooked, perverse generation. Among. It means to be like in the interior of a room. We know the saying, we don't let the world in us, but we're in the world, sharing and shining the light of Christ. It means to be smack in the middle. This is our gospel mission. This dark, lost world desperately needs Jesus Christ. And God has placed us as his people, as his church, shining a different life that doesn't blend in with the world into the darkness of this world. Why? Because God loves every single person on this planet who's made in his image. And Jesus died for every single person on this planet. And you and I have been sent to shine here in our own area and to the unreached nations where to shine for Jesus Christ. That is the mission of who we are as a church. Jesus summed it up like this in Acts 26, 18. We were to shine in this dark world. Why? To open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, then they will receive forgiveness of their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me, Jesus said. Our living room has four lights in it. It has a table lamp, a table lamp, a lamp on a stand, then a light that's up in the ceiling fan. If I walk into my living room and that place is dark, I can turn on a a lamp. 
If it's still too dark to me, I can turn on the second table lamp. If it's still too dark to me, I can turn on the lampstand. If it's still too dark, I want more light, I can turn on the light in the ceiling fan. If I've got all four lights on and it's still too dark, I just have Donna smile. She lights up the whole place. Here's the truth. To get rid of darkness, you add more light. If you think the United States of America is dark, what is your plan to get rid of the darkness? An election in November? More education, social reform? More programs? Don't get me wrong, those things are important and have their place. You know what God's plan is? Is you add more light to the darkness. If you think your school's dark, if you think your home is dark, if you think your neighborhood is dark and it's all dark and lost, if there's areas and communities and unreached nations that are in the dark, God's plan is you add more light. When more people get saved, more people are shining and more light is added. And the more people that are saved, the more people are shining. And by God's grace, we can shine brighter and brighter and brighter. And to get rid of the darkness, you add more light. It's God's plan. So we see that a shining life is a distinctive life. We are to shine in this dark world, but look, it also tells us how we are to shine. You know how we shine in this dark world? Our conversations and our conduct. That's how we actually do the shining. We just don't stand there in front of people and all of a sudden like light beams come out of our eyes like Marvel Comics or something. No, it's our conversations and our conduct. We shine by our conversations, Philippians 2.14 do all things it means no exception every single time do all things without complaining and disputing that word complaining is where we get our word it basically is translated grumbling grumbling murmuring grumbling is a word that means how it sounds grumble 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 the Bible tells us over and over again that we're not to be sinful grumblers, grumblers and gripers with a bad attitude. We see it in James 5, 9. We see it in John 6, 43. We see it in Numbers 14. When you and I as believers, when we grumble, gripe, and complain, even in our hearts to ourselves, when we gripe and grumble and complain, we are either directly or indirectly declaring that God needs to do a better job of running the universe. To grumble and gripe is an attack on the sovereignty of God, that he doesn't know what he's doing. So the first word that we see here, complaining or grumbling, that's a private thing we do in our hearts. The next word is a public word that we do with other people that spews out of our mouths. And that word we see here is disputing. It's also translated arguing and questioning. You ever met someone just loves to argue? It means an arrogant person who is always right about everything. One of the things I've always fascinated me in the NFL, the National Football League, is they do what's called a mic'd up video. They take a player and they don't do like a canned interview where they're sitting there with a microphone. They hook a microphone up to their uniform and in the middle of the game, it records what they say. And I love watching those mic'd up videos. Just for fun, let's say that we did a mic'd up video this coming week about you and about me. We're walking around mic'd up. 
And next weekend, we're all gonna gather in here with our popcorn, and on this screen right here and through the speakers, we're gonna hear every word that you said and I said this past week. Would there be more gratitude or more griping? Would there be more complaining and arguing about others? Would there be more praising and prayer to the Lord? The Word of God is teaching us this, believers, we will not shine if we live in a deep, dark, nasty pit of griping and complaining and arguing. We're not going to shine. And if you struggle with arguing and griping and complaining, I suggest as your pastor in love, you make Philippians 2.14 your memory verse. Because God says, stop it. Don't do it. You don't shine when all you do is argue and gripe and complain. Matter of fact, I've got here, I can tell us right now, here's how we have victory over that, because we all struggle with it. Here's the way to have victory over griping and complaining. Put yourself at the foot of the cross and kneel at the bloody feet of Jesus and look up into his bloody, swollen face with a crown of thorns and look at his bloody, butchered body where his blood is pouring out, where he is suffering and sacrificing himself for our sins so we don't go to hell, so we can go to heaven. I make you a promise to myself too, when you're at the foot of the cross, you have nothing to gripe about. There's no complaining. There's not a lot of arguments that take place down there when you're saved. Not only do we, how do we shine? Well, not only by our conversations, but by our conduct. That you may become blameless, harmless, children of God without fault. Paul says there's three things in your conduct about a distinctive life that shines. Number one is you're blameless. It doesn't mean sinless. None of us are sinless. It means you're above reproach. It means you don't do things to, honor, to dishonor Jesus. It means that people can accuse you of something, but it won't stick. The word harmless there is a picture of gold that has no alloy mixed in it. It's pure. It's true. In other words, when we interact with people, what they see is what they get. Without fault is an Old Testament picture of a lamb that was picked to be sacrificed that didn't have a blemish in it. Again, it doesn't mean we're perfect. It means there's a purity, there's a a Christ-like integrity and character in who we are. And only by God's grace, when we're blameless, harmless, and without fault, people say you look like your dad. People look at us, we shine because we look like children of God. Again, as people look at the shine of our life through our conversations and our conduct, they don't see perfection because we're not perfect. But there's no question to them, man, that person belongs to Jesus. You know that girl that's in English too, in third hour at Fox? Yeah. Man, I, she belong, I think she belongs to Jesus. She's just different. That difference is a good word. That's why Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. There's one more thing. Not only are we in the dark and to shine in the dark and that's through our conduct and our conversations the final thing in verse 16 is we shine as we hold forth and hold fast to the word of God 
It says, holding fast the word of life. What is meant by the word of life? Well, remember in John chapter 1, the first two verses, Jesus is the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the living word. The Bible is the written word. You can't separate the two. So when it says holding fast the word of life, it's talking about Jesus and it's talking about the word of God. Greek scholars debate if the Bible is saying holding fast or holding forth. Holding fast would mean I put the word of God in me and I want to be faithful to live it. Holding forth means I put the word of God out of me and I share it with others. Well, I accept both because I think both work and both are a must for a growing, shining life. Paul is saying, listen, man, don't quit. By your conversations and your conduct, and none of us are perfect, but people are gonna know you belong to Jesus. And as you keep putting God's word in you, and you keep sharing the word of God out of you, in this dark world, man, you're gonna stand out. You're gonna be different. You're gonna be distinctive. Matter of fact, you're gonna be like bright, shining stars in a super dark sky. That's why I said at the end of verse 16, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Run and labor there are words of intense effort, running and working and laboring. Ministry for Jesus is hard work. Shining for Jesus is hard work. It's not easy. It's not automatic. We wake up every day and make a choice if we're going to, again, the Holy Spirit gives us the desire and the power, but we've got to come along and, and cooperate and yield our lives to that. Paul is saying at the end of this verse, he says, I don't feel like I wasted my life in ministry because I see fruit, because other people are shining. So verses 12 and 13, a shining life is a growing life. Verses 14 through 16, a shining life is a distinctive life. We're almost done. And finally, we see verses 17 and 18, a shining life is a poured out life. A shining life is a poured out life. Verses 17 and 18. Yes, if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice. Remember, it's all about Jesus, all about joy. I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. He's looking back to the Old Testament sacrificial system. Remember, every Old Testament sacrifice pointed to Jesus, and Jesus fulfilled every Old Testament sacrifice. Specifically here, talking about the pouring out of the drink offering, the lamb that was chosen to be the sacrificial lamb would be placed on the altar, the burnt offering, which would be totally consumed, and the high priest would come along and pour the drink offering on the burning lamb on top of the altar, and the vapors off of that would rise up to heaven in an act of worship and sacrifice to God. In the New Testament, the poured out drink offering life is a picture of Jesus on the cross, the Lamb of God who died for the sins of the world, pouring out his blood and sacrifice for you and for me. For the believer, the poured out drink offering is a life that's surrendered and sacrificial. Keep it in context. Paul doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He has no idea. But here's what he's saying. I don't know if I'm going to live or die, but I know one thing. I'm not going to waste my life. I'm going to spend my life. I'm not going to waste it. Paul is saying, I'm going to pour out for the lost. I'm going to pour out for others. 
I'm going to pour out for the gospel. I'm going to pour out for the kingdom of God. I'm going to pour out and sacrifice because Jesus is worth it all. and It's all about him and it's not about me. I'm going to pour out. A shining life means sacrificial life of total surrender. We say, Jesus, because you poured out your all for me, I pour out all of me to all of you. I just pour it out. Sometimes I'll drink a soda in my truck and leave like a third of it in the can and get up the next day and think, ah. And before I take it in the house, I'll dump it out. And not only do I just pour out the leftover soda that's in it, I'll shake the can to get every drop out. Because I told you, my wife's smile can light up a room, but when I get a bunch of soda in the recycling bin, her smile goes away. So I'm going to pour out. That's the picture here. It says, man, I am every single drop. I am going to pour out all of me to all of you in this selfless, sacrificial life. That's how Paul lived his life, and that's how Paul left this life. In verse 17, I am being poured out as a drink offering. Listen to his final testimony in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He died as a martyr for the Lord. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord. The righteous judge will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who loved his appearing. That's why he can say in verse 18. Man, let's rejoice together, church at Philippi. It's a dark world. But man, we got Jesus. And there's joy when you pour out your life in serving and shining for him. Who wants to stay in this body forever anyway? Who wants to stay in this darkness forever anyway? Rejoice with me, he says. Because man, we can pour out our lives. We shine. Whenever you look up at the stars in the sky with a telescope or just with your regular eyes, we know that stars twinkle. That's why we sing, twinkle, twinkle, little star. We know they twinkle. Do you know that stars are not supposed to twinkle? They're not. See, it's because of our atmosphere. When a star's light travels all those miles across space, It has to go through several miles of Earth's atmosphere. And our atmosphere is unstable, turbulent. Our atmosphere wobbles. And it takes those light beams coming from those stars. And when it goes through our unstable atmosphere, it bends the light. So what we're seeing is a star with that trademark twinkle. It gets even worse if the atmosphere, like if the air is really humid and really thick, then the light bends even more so it twinkles more. That's why the humidity here in St. Louis, it looks like a strobe light when it twinkles. And I'm not supposed to gripe and I just did it right there. So I need to stop doing that. But see, that's not how it is. If you look at a star in heaven, they don't twinkle. Why do you think NASA spent billions of dollars putting a Hubble telescope outside the atmosphere orbiting our earth? Because what a star really does on earth, we see it, it twinkles. But if you're in the heavens, a star doesn't twinkle. It shines bright, consistent, continual light. It never fades in and out. It never twinkles. It's solid 100% of the time. All of us 
like the believers at Philippi, I know it, we all want to shine for Jesus. I have no doubt about that. We all want to shine for him. We want our light for Jesus to be like we're in the heavens. We want every day of our lives, our light to be clear and bright and consistent. But guess what? We all twinkle here on earth. We twinkle. Our light goes in and out because we're not perfect people. This has always cracked me up. You ever heard people say this? Hey, guess what? God will use imperfect people. Folks, that's all he's got to work with. (laughs) Is there another category out there I've missed? Be encouraged. This is my point. Be encouraged. Jesus is the light of the world, and his light is eternal, constant, clear, and bright. It never twinkles. It never fades in and out. And in his grace that I can't understand for his glory, he has placed that perfect, shining, consistent light inside of twinkling people like you and me. God in his grace will accomplish his purpose for his glory through imperfect, twinkling lights like you and me. This whole message has been about don't you dare quit. Whatever darkness you're walking through, don't you dare quit. Don't you stop. Keep growing, keep surrendering, keep shining. Students, be different. I got a homework assignment, and I don't, our members, if you're a guest, I don't do this, okay? Like I've got some kind of pull to make you do your homework anyway, okay? <laughs> you know, but I got a homework assignment. If you want to do it, I want to encourage you. I don't do this, but I've got a homework assignment for you and for me. At least one day this week, one, just one time this week, if you wouldn't mind, I want you to go outside and I want you to look at the stars. At least one day. Just please. And gaze. Not just a glance. Just, I want you to stare at the stars. Just at least one time this week. Just stare at the stars and remember Philippians 2 and pray with me, Jesus, I want to be like that.